Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fifth Church, and a special welcome to you if you happen to be a guest with us today in this kind of online worship format. It's great to be worshiping with you. My name is John Sherrill, and I serve as the lead pastor of this church, Fifth Reformed Church. And again, it's good to be with you. Uh, before we dive in, let's pray together, shall we? God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the way that you speak to us through it. Thank you for the promises that you make to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. We don't want to leave on the table anything that you have for us. So pour out your spirit for us and help us receive from you today. Help us hear you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're uh, continuing a sermon series today called Following Jesus. And our church has been in this series for five weeks now. This is our sixth. And today we're thinking about power from Jesus. And we've been slowly unpacking kind of the, the practical implications for us of Easter, that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he's alive right now. And I, all the while, I've been hoping that these aren't just kind of theoretical concepts, but um, really kind of a statement of the, the cornerstones of our faith as we experience it and live it out in daily life. They're not just kind of religious ideas, uh, but, but the, the big pieces of our faith uh, into which we can lean, actually, in difficult times. So that I hope that we're able to do that in this difficult time of a, of a uh, viral pandemic, right? It is a difficult time for us. So, so far in this series, we've, we've looked at, at five things. First, when we come to Jesus, we get a new life. We don't just adopt a new religion or a new set of spiritual beliefs. The Bible is very clear. We actually receive new life. And the second thing is that that life will look increasingly like Jesus. And it will look more like Jesus, not because we're trying harder, but because we're seeking the Lord more consistently and living in to the people he's created us to be. So this is really a God by his spirit working in us to conform us to the image of his son. So the father is working us in us by the spirit to conform us to the image of his son. And, and um, when we come to when we come to Christ, we're also restored to our true identity, and we, we can embrace that and receive that. It's, it's an identity that's received, not crafted or created on our own. And our identity is that we're children of God. God has given us that right to become children of God again by what Jesus has done. So we get new life that looks more like Jesus. We come back to our true identity as children of God. We're also restored to our original purpose. We were uh, made to be co-workers with God, to be God's agents in the world, advancing God's purposes in the world as if God himself were here doing it. So we're brought back to that purpose. And finally, Jesus was really clear that uh, he's given us the ability to hear him. You know, in that passage we looked at last week, uh, my sheep, Jesus said, know my voice and they follow me. So every Christian is able to hear God's guidance and direction, you know, primarily through, uh, through the word, both uh, in, in written form in the Bible and preached uh, as it's spoken to us, uh, but also in special ways where God gives very direct guidance for particular seasons of life. It makes our paths uh, cross the paths of other people or asks us to do something or gives us an answer or something like that. God speaks and we can hear. And today we think about this, this, uh, uh, this idea of, of power from Jesus. So, so, so far, new life looks more like Jesus, restored to our true identity, restored to our true purpose, listening to God in, in this life of following Christ. Now, I don't know if uh, you're like me, but I look at that description of life and I think, 
that doesn't look like me all the time. And uh, don't worry, we're all there. There's a big gap between what we read about in Scripture about the life of a Christian and what our lives look like because we're all works in process. But the fact that we're works in process doesn't mean that the answer is just to throw up our arms and, and kind of give up trying and, and ride out life spiritually thinking we've, uh, we have all we need because we know about Jesus and what he did for us and we trust him really with our whole hearts. God has much more in store for us. God wants to empower us, followers of Jesus, to serve as his agents in the world. This is, this is a big part of our kingdom purpose. Jesus gives us power to advance the purpose that he gave us. And, and that's what this is really all about. So the message today, power from Jesus. And it's a critical part of what it means to follow Jesus. And in my opinion, at least, this, this whole conversation and theme in scripture gets way too little attention in our uh, small branch of the larger Christian church. We, we tend to shy away from this, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly why that is. I think there's some fear and uncertainty there. Uh, I'm sure that I've experienced people kind of uh, behaving in a more manipulative fashion rather than exercising the authority they've been given in Christ to, to act in God's power and to let God's power flow through them. So there's some strange experiences that we need to grapple with, right? And we don't want to do that. We want to be like Jesus and all this. Yet at the same time, the Bible is really clear that Christians can receive power from God to advance God's purposes in the world. And it's not, it's not power over other people, nor is it power just to do the things that we want, kind of advance our own desires. This is, this is a power from God to advance the purpose of representing God in the world. And it's what Jesus was talking about in that scripture passage we read this morning when he said this. He spoke this to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. The disciples were to wait for power from God to be God's representatives in the world. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. See, it's power for the purpose God has given us to serve as ambassadors of Christ. And this this command of Jesus, wait for power from God, was really one of the four big commands of Jesus. And we've talked a little bit about this in our church, but you're going to be hearing a lot more about this because this is the discipleship development pathway that we, we've adopted as a church, and we think it comes right from the commands that Jesus gave us. Uh, so let me, let me review those for you again really quick. The first two big commands that Jesus gave his followers came in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when he said, uh, The time has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent and believe the good news. The two imperatives there, repent and believe. Repent means change your thinking. Believe means align your life to that change of thinking. So those are the first two big commands of Jesus. Then this one we read today, wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive power from God. So repent, believe, and wait. And the last big command of Jesus comes in the Great Commission where he said, go make disciples. So repent, believe, wait, go. Repent, change your thinking, believe, align your life, wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and go make disciples. I mean, this is a developmental pathway that Jesus has us on if we are his apprentices, his his disciples. 
Uh, and you can unpack this thing all day long, right? Repent and believe have more to do with our identity initially, right? Coming back to who we are and em- embracing the fact that God is our father and that we're his kids and, and that we want to grow in obedience to God simply because of this loving covenantal relationship we have with the father. And then wait and go have to do more with our purpose in life, our kingdom purpose of representing Jesus in the world uh, to other people and and stewarding all the resources on earth as if God were here doing it himself to act as God's agents in that regard. Jesus was really clear about our purpose. We, we did this a couple weeks ago, but here's another verse that gets right to it. Jesus said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Right? The reason God doesn't just snatch us up and take us to heaven when we come to know Christ and, and have faith in Jesus is because he invites us into uh, God's family business, right? this business of redemption and renewal in the world and, and sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone everywhere. And as we join in that work, we learn very quickly that relying on our own strength, on our own power, simply will not do. Jesus made that clear also in John 15. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. So we have to stay connected to God to allow God's power uh, to flow through us. Now, I get that for some of us, this is a really new idea or maybe a little, a little bit of a freaky kind of idea, thinking about God, the power of God flowing through us. Like, what, what is that? How does it work? Uh, I, I get that it can be really conceptual and com- feel completely disconnected from, from my life, your life. So I'm going to share an example to kind of unpack that that my wife Crystal and I had. But before I do that, I want to um, just show you a couple pictures because I can now since we're doing this by video. I miss not having the slides up on the screen in the sanctuary, but now I can show you slides by video. So I want to unpack a couple, uh, a couple pictures here. Uh, so look at, look at this first one. This is called the Covenant Triangle. And you can see that up at the top is Father and then Identity and Obedience. And, and this has to do with uh, kind of the repent and believe part of the discipleship pathway. As we come to, to change our thinking that God is not some distant deity or some disapproving uh, uh, dictator of the universe, right? But, but a loving and kind heavenly father, kind of a perfect parent. When we change our thinking and begin believing in, in God in that way, that's the starting point. That's, that's what Jesus was talking about when he, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And he said, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Start with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. God is like a father, a perfect parent. And then from that relationship with God, our identity emerges through faith. You can see that little arrow going down. And we come back to our true identity as children of God by faith in this loving heavenly Father. And then from there, because we're in this relationship of love with God and we know that we're God's kids and, and, and deeply loved, we are very willing, and in fact, grow in desire to submit to God in obedience. And it's not a hard submission. It's a very willing submission, knowing that God has our best interests in mind all the time. So it, the way this flows is uh, we, we come to know God the Father, then we 
uh, embrace our identity again by faith and submit in obedience to God. Now, you'll see the little dashed line and legalism on the left side there. Uh, there's always a downside to this. The arrows just go from father to identity to obedience. But some people try to make a different religion out of Christianity and say that as we obey, that creates a relationship with God the Father. And that simply is incorrect. That is not the gospel. That's not the Christian faith. It doesn't flow that way. We get our identity from God, from an identity-producing relationship with God, and we grow in obedience as God works this out in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and as we submit to God's uh, loving guidance and leadership. So this is called the covenant triangle, and I want to show one more called the kingdom triangle. Now look at this one. Rather than father up at the top, there's king, because as we come to faith and come to know God as father, we also understand that God is the king of everything, that the living, reigning, ruling king of the universe. And then also by faith, when we know that our father is the king and that as children, his children, uh, we have been authorized to act on his behalf, ambassadors of Christ. This is where this comes from. So it goes from king to authority by faith, right? And then in this triangle, you move into functioning in God's power also by submitting and believing that you're an authorized agent of the kingdom. Um, and then also there's, there's a downside line, the inappropriate use of power. Some people try to um, manipulate others by utilizing religious power. It's really a, a power that they claim for themselves, an authority that they claim for themselves. And then they try to exercise power over others, end up manipulating them, trying to get them into a relationship with God. And that, that never works. That's not Christianity either. It's not, not the real deal, at least. So the covenant triangle and the kingdom triangle. Now, let me tell you a, a story about this. Um, it's a story that uh, of Crystal and myself. Crystal is my wife, uh, and we were at a discipleship training event with some people from our church here, from Fifth. And the, the whole event was kind of focused on that second triangle, the, the kingdom triangle, and specifically wh what it looks like for Christians to grow in their understanding of the authority that Jesus has given us and what that means for us in everyday life. Like, how, how does that actually play out and what, is it, what does it look like? And kind of toward the end of the first day, it was a multi-day conference, toward the end of the first day, a friend of ours from our team actually shared uh, that an, another friend at the conference was having a hard time feeling kind of spiritually oppressed and just feeling really heavy and down. And this person said, hey, we should get you know, the, the leaders of the conference to pray for this person tomorrow morning. And uh, so we... We, we, we thought about that, and as I processed later, kind of the unspoken implication was that, you know, the leaders of the conference were more experienced in, in this kind of thing, praying, healing for people, and things like that, and maybe they would do it better, or their, their prayers would be more effective. And no, None of us intended that. That was just kind of the rumbling around in our, in our mind that night. So the next day came, and the leaders of this thing are all friends of mine, so I went and asked, hey, there's this person, and, and maybe you could pray for them, and they said, well, we're kind of getting ready for the conference and we don't, you know, I, we, I don't really have time right now. And then I, I said, okay, well, let me check with so-and-so. So I checked with somebody else and they kind of looked at me and said, well, we've got our own people coming here and we've got like, and, and they're in their look, in their eyes, I could kind of see the message like, why don't you just pray for them? And that was very confirming to something I was feeling in my heart because I kind of thought to myself, yeah, why don't we just pray for them? I mean, we're 
just as authorized as agents of the kingdom as anybody else. It's not about the, the amount of experience you've had with this. It's about what Jesus wants to do through you. So Crystal and I got together with this person and, and simply began praying. And uh, the, the person was feeling really a sense of spiritual oppression, feeling emotionally very down. And really, it was so heavy on this person that, that they were having difficulty breathing, like labored breathing, actually. So we prayed. And as Crystal and, I, Crystal and I had laid our hands on this person, and as we prayed, there was power there. There was power. And in our words, I could feel it landing with uh, power and what felt like effectiveness that I know was not coming from us at all. It, it just... Clearly, this something way bigger than us was going on as we were praying. So we prayed, and we'd stop and ask, hey, how are you feeling? And then we'd pray some more, and we stopped and asked, are, are you feeling any better? Prayed some more. And finally, we stopped and asked, and this person said, I'll never forget this. The person said, I think it's gone. And I had the thought immediately, but I didn't kind of process it with the person. But we just kind of said, good, good. We're glad you're feeling better. Thank you, Lord. And, and then we kind of moved on. And, uh, but I, ha- I had the thought uh, when this person said, I think it's gone. What's gone? I mean, what, what exactly? What exactly was there before we started praying, but after we were done praying was gone? And what happened in there? Uh, you, know, you know, the Bible talks a lot about evil spirits and unclean spirits and demons. And, and as Western people, we have no idea what to do with this. And I found myself thinking, huh, oppression, feeling oppressed, feeling heavy, labored breathing. That was there before we prayed. And after we prayed, that was all gone. I mean, did we cast out a demon? Uh, Was there some kind of exercise of spiritual authority over uh, spirits of heaviness and and kind of oppression and and, uh, bondage? Is that what happened? What happened there? I don't know exactly what happened there, but I do know something happened there. Uh, And I do know it was filled with spiritual power. And it wasn't based on anyone kind of acting like they were better than anybody else as a Christian it really emerged out of a crystal and me uh, kind of recognizing, hey, we've got authority. Not, not because we're anything special, but because our Father in heaven is the king and he has authorized us to serve as ambassadors in this world. And we're not only allowed, but we are empowered and encouraged to exercise that authority on behalf of the good of other people, to bless and heal and share the good news of Jesus and bring reconciliation, and you know all these good things that have to do with God's big renewal project in the world. So this gets really concrete when we actually get involved in the lives of other people. This is very applicable, I think, and, and so many times when we're confronted with situations in the lives of other people, and from a human perspective, we're kind of thinking, well, I don't know what to do. I've got no idea. In fact, a great majority of the time as I'm talking with people, I'm thinking to myself, what should I say? I'm not sure what to say. So I'm just praying internally. God, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me know? Are there some passages of scripture that would be applicable? We're just relying on God this whole time 
uh, to deliver what we need and also to give us the power uh, uh, or to, to allow God's power to flow through us, really. It, that, that's really what's going on there. So I believe that, that Jesus really wants his church to function in this way and to grow in this. I think it's what Pentecost was really all about. God gives us the Holy Spirit, uh, yes, to comfort us, yes, to guide us into all truth, but also to empower us as God's agents and representatives in the world. So it's not just about the comfort and guidance for us. It's about how God wants to use us in the lives of other people as well. So I believe God wants to empower you by the Holy Spirit to serve as a kingdom representative in the world and with other people. And just like last week, when we talk about what do we do with this, if this is a new idea to you or if you think this is a little weird, right? the same application steps from last week with regard to listening to Jesus can apply today to receiving power from Jesus. Repent pray, and pursue. I mean, re repent. We need to change our thinking sometimes. If you're in the place of thinking that this whole, you know, receiving power from God for the benefit of other people is a weird, creepy, religious thing and, and a little too far out there for you, honestly, your thinking is unbiblical and you need to change it, which is what repent means. Like, you need to repent. Uh, if you're in the place of thinking that, uh, really believing that God gives power to some people, God gives power to other Christians, that you've witnessed that and seen that happen, but that God would never uh, uh, you know, make his power flow through you to bless another person in, in, in a powerful way. Your thinking is unbiblical, right? You know I'm right, and you need to repent. Uh, now, I, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to be hard on you because this has been a slow burn process for me working through it. I've, I've had to work through my doubts and wonderings and, and reluctance in, in this area of, about receiving power from Jesus and how all this works, authority and power and, and, and all that. And I'm not done yet. I mean, I'm, st I'm still working it out. But I do believe that most of us in, in the Reformed tradition, in Reformed churches, need to admit that there is a gap between our lives and what the Bible teaches in this whole area of receiving power from God. And one of the things it means to be reformed is that we are open to, uh, one of the mottos of, of, of the Reformation was reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. So what it means to be a reformed Christian, a biblical Christian really, is uh, that if, we're, if we look at the Bible, and then if we look at our lives and there's a gap between the two, our assumption is that we're out of line, that we're the ones who are kind of out of order. And we don't ask the Bible to change and we don't make the, try to make the Bible fit our lives to kind of approve what's going on in us. We see that there's a gap and we change. We change ourselves. We reform ourselves. We align ourselves with the scripture. So I wonder what it might look like for us to do that in, in this case. The Bible is very clear. God wants to empower his followers to serve and act as his representatives in the world. Uh, so if we need a, a change of mind, let's repent. So repent, pray. I mean, certainly this is what the first disciples did. There, there was a 10-day window between the ascension of Jesus and the Pentecost event. And actually this Sunday we celebrate the ascension of Jesus. Um, but, but think for a second about what 
the disciples did during that 10-day window, right? They were on the Mount of Olives with Jesus, and Jesus told them very clearly, stay in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere, wait until God gives you the gift he wants to give you. Don't go anywhere. And then right when he was done saying that, right in front of their eyes, he ascended up into heaven. Now, now really, imagine what it was like for them. What came next after that? I mean, they, they, they look at each other and, uh, what do we do now? Well, what you do is you go back and all together fast and pray and seek the Lord. I mean, can you imagine their prayers? I bet their prayers were something like this. Lord, you were just with us 15 minutes ago. We, you were right here and we watched you go up there. So we know you can hear us because you were just here and we watched you go up there. And you told us to wait, so we're here waiting. We know that God wants to give us something. We know that you mentioned something about a gift. We don't really understand it, but we're open to it. We're waiting. Please give it to us. Whatever you want to give us, we would love to receive. So please, God, we're, we're here. I mean, they certainly didn't just, you know, make lunch and look around about how to kill some time. I mean, they, they had to be seeking God and praying fervently on, on this issue. God, you told us to wait. What are we waiting for? Right? So repent, pray. We could pursue God on this issue of receiving power from Jesus, just like the first disciples did. And finally, pursue. You know, Jesus uh, said, ask, seek, knock. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened to you. Certainly that is true in our relationship with God. And, and I think it's true with regard to the things God wants to give us, and specifically this one, receiving power from Jesus. So pick up a resource. You know, read some stuff outside of our little branch of the Christian tradition. Learn from people who are a bit further down the road, maybe, in, in this area than, than we are. There's a longtime professor at Fuller Seminary named Charles Kraft. He's written a great book titled, I Give You Authority. It's all about... Uh, uh, how Jesus gave authority to his followers and what it looks like for a Christian to live in to a place of beginning to exercise that authority in appropriate ways that, that Jesus intended, right? Uh, another uh, professor at Fuller Seminary uh, named John Wimber wrote a book called Power Evangelism. Stunning, stunning, way outside of my experience, but amazing stories in there about the power of God and how God works through people. There's all sorts of stuff out there. So get after it, right? Go after it. Try. Following Jesus is about way more than simply coming to believe in, in God, believe in Jesus, and kind of riding out the rest of our lives thinking we have our ticket punched or kind of everything that we need. Uh, that, that, that is true, but, but following Jesus is about much more than that. And God's heart is that we would grow in our capacity to represent uh, his kingdom and his will and purpose that everybody everywhere would be saved. He wants us to represent that in the world in the same kind of gracious way that Jesus did. So if you're unfamiliar or, or feel a little shaky about this whole idea of receiving power from Jesus, repent, pray, pursue. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, thank you that you 
don't just ask us to believe in you um, uh, with, with, with no resources. Uh, thank you that you don't ask us to act in your name uh, without uh, the appropriate equipping and empowering. Uh, you, you give us that. Your desire is to empower us by your spirit to act as your ambassadors in this world. So God, help us learn about that. Help us grow in that. Help us understand what that means for our lives now and the unique things that you want to do in the world through us. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen.